Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I got a new mic, a new setup, so if I sound a little different or if the volume's a little off, I'm still working on things, so bear with me. But uh, today is episode four, The Price is Right. Now, what do I mean by The Price is Right? The idea is to identify players that have ADP that is appropriate for various reasons, but you still have room for profit. The reasons that this ADP is probably appropriate is because maybe they're coming off a down year, they might be getting a little older, or they're coming off a little bit of an injury or some injury concerns entering the year even. Regardless, they're all being priced appropriately because of that, but all of these guys have ceilings and a chance for profit that shouldn't be ignored. And if they honestly don't hit on that ceiling, you're getting them for the right price. So essentially you're paying for their floor and a lot of the risk is already taken out of where you're getting them. So it's a win-win. But these are guys that just stand out, and I see a high chance of returning profit where you're getting them. Now, before we jump into this podcast all the way, the one thing we have to discuss is the injury to Severino. Severino has a shoulder injury. He's going to be shut down a little bit, and he's going to likely start the season on what now it's called the injured list, so the IL. He has dealt with shoulder injuries in the past. Apparently, the pain is gone. He received some injections. There doesn't appear to be any structural damage. So, so it sounds like something that should go away with rest. But nonetheless, it is definitely alarming. And the ace tier just took another hit. So Kershaw having issues getting started. Severino's down for at least two more weeks minimum, I'd say. Probably a month. To say where he belongs in drafts now, that's a tough one. I put up a poll and it was Severino or Kershaw. And I think it was a 60-40 split or 65-35 split. Yeah, it was, it was actually a 60-40 split for Severino in favor, in favor of Severino for, instead of Kershaw in redraft this year. I'm, I'm, I'm along that line of thinking still. I mean, that could change. I haven't seen how far Severino falls yet. I haven't been in a draft since the injury. That Actually, the drafts I'm in right now, Severino – was picked like literally hours before the news came out. So it's really tough to gauge where he's going to fall to. So it's hard for me to gauge if I'm in or out on his new price. I'm probably out in general. I don't like to take guys that are coming into the year hurt with unknown downtimes, unknown. Like who knows when he's going to throw a pitch? Who knows if he's going to have setbacks? He's probably going to fall close to like my 20th overall pitcher. So I might be lower than most on him, but – I don't like taking guys with shoulder issues or issues at all coming in. Like, they can't even get through spring training, let alone the start of the season. Maybe I'll miss out, but it's a, it's a risk I'm willing to take. But it's not good. It takes a, it's a big hit to the top-tier pitching. You just got to adjust appropriately. It's pretty much all the news that's happened. There hasn't been anything too, uh, anything else really noteworthy since my last podcast. So we're going to jump right into the material. The first guy we're going to discuss on this list here of people that the price is right is uh, Charlie Blackman. Blackman has an ADP of 26.8. In 2018, a down year for him, he had 119 runs, 29 home runs, 70 RBIs, and 12 steals. He had an 8.5 walk percentage and a 19.3 K percentage. His triple slash was 291, 358, 502. That's the worst since 2015. I understand he's... 32 years old, but let's get a few things straight here. That's a down year for him. 
that type of season, if you tell me that's the floor for him, because I think that is his floor at this point, he should still be going earlier in the second round. But he's falling to the end of the second round of 15-teamers, the early third round of 12-teamers. This is a guy that, because he had a quote-unquote down year, and because he's getting up there in age and the excitement is wearing off, he's falling a little bit. And again, this is what I'm talking about. You're getting him, and you're paying for his floor. There's a high probability and chance that he's going to end up outperforming his ADP this year. And if he ends up being that early second-round value, even late first, it wouldn't be surprising. And you're getting him, like I said, late second, early third, depending on what format you're in. People keep forgetting he gets to call cores his home. You have cores as a home field. It covers up a lot of holes in your game. It can help cover up some of that age. It can help cover up a lot of issues. And you actually have a better lineup around him this year. I like Blackman. I like where you're getting him. I think he provides that a solid return on investment. The very next guy is another, again, another early round guy. He's starting to creep up in some of the drafts I'm in. His ADP right now is 31 overall, and it's Chris Bryant. People just, what? I guess people are just forgetting about him. The guy was a late first, early second round pick just last year. And what, two years ago he won the MVP? Last year was just an injury plague season. He's, he came back, he's coming back into the year healthy now. There's no complaints or any setbacks that I've seen anything about. And some people are a little, you know, down because after his MVP season, he kind of changed his approach. He was a pull ball hitter, or more so one during his MVP year. Hit a ton of home runs, was that all-around solid producer. And then, you know, Chili Davis happened, and he just went from power hitting to kind of like a all-fields approach type of guy. Well, Chili Davis is gone, and I just I can't get that image of him hitting a home run. I think it was like one of his first games in spring training. Granted, it was spring training, but the idea is that he seems healthy. So you're getting a guy who didn't even have to have surgery in order for his shoulder to heal, which I guess would suggest that it was a relatively minor injury. And you're getting this guy at the end of second, early third round, again, depending on format, who at the end of the season, if he's outperforming Freeman or Goldschmidt or Heck, Stanton, even Judge, would anybody really be surprised? He's done it before. He's not like he's getting old. I mean, he's what, in his mid-20s, 26, 27 years old maybe? He's being vastly overlooked. But at the same time, again, price makes sense because of all those injury concerns and last year's just down overall year. People are always tough to give a guy a second chance to come back from an injury-plagued season. But I can easily see a huge profit margin with him and – take advantage of the uh, price he's currently at. Third guy is going 34.8 overall in his ADP, and uh, it's Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo is just that steady Eddie guy. You get him in this, this area of the draft every year, and he never lets you down. Again, this is his floor. You're getting him because you know this is what he's going to produce. He's not getting any younger. Last year, and people, for some reason, think he had a bad year. And really, it was just a bad first March, April, that first month of the season. He had a terrible first month of the season. But he still, at the end of the season, had 25 home runs, 101 RBIs, and a 10.5 walk percentage and a 12.0K percentage. 
he actually improved his K percentage from 2016 and 2017. So you're talking about a guy who, even with that terrible first month where he hit, I think, like 150, still finished off the year hitting for that triple slash and improved his K percentage. Just I guess I'm just surprised that people forget how good he can be. And people are so caught up in this Freeman and Goldie hype and like, oh, you got to get one of these guys. I see Goldie or Freeman going first pick of the second round sometimes to some drafts. And I'm like, well, there's Rizzo you can get later. And at the end of the day, Rizzo has a ceiling that can easily exceed these other two guys going in the round ahead of him. And people just want to act like that's not a possibility. Well, as I checked, they're all roughly the same age with Goldschmidt being older than both, I think. Rizzo's on a great team, just like the other two. Provides the same type of counting stats as the other two. And you're, you can get him essentially 10 picks later or better sometimes. Doesn't make sense. Rizzo, for me, is in that same tier. Maybe my argument would be more for them being overpriced. Maybe they should be closer to him. Or with this, with this position being as top-heavy as it is and not so deep this year, maybe he needs to be closer to them. Regardless, you're getting him at his floor and the ceiling is up there with the other two or bat or past it. So with all that said, Rizzo has become a target of mine lately. And honestly, that's not going to be changing anytime soon. Now the next guy where the price is right and there's nothing but ceiling here is uh, George Springer. I've seen a lot of mixed, a lot of mixed emotions on George Springer. He had a rough year last year. I get it. Not only did he have a rough year, but he was also, you know, he was dealing with some injury last year. And I think the injury stigma is a little stronger than it needs to be or actually is. I mean, he did have three straight years of 140 games or more prior to last year. He's only 29. He bats lead off for one of the best teams in the league. And last year on his down year, he still had 102 runs, 22 home runs, and 71 RBIs with six stolen bases. And his triple slash was 265, 346, 434. That's a down year from the guy. We're getting him if he puts that year up again. You're ecstatic. But if he returns to form, which again, only 29 years old, the team behind him, the batting order as a whole, you have Correa back, you have Bregman, who should be back. You have Altuve, who's dealing with a minor left side injury or some weird stuff going on right now. You have just all this around him back and healthy. That's only going to help him as well. He's also not only is he healthy entering camp, He's entering camp at a lighter weight. That With a lighter weight, he hopes to steal more bases. Power shouldn't be going anywhere over three pounds. I'm not expecting too much of him or too many more stolen base attempts from him. They're not going to want him to run into any out because he was amazing at stealing bases in the minors, but since he's been in the majors, he's had a rough time. That team wants to manufacture runs, but they don't need to with him stealing bases. So maybe instead of those five to six, seven stolen bases he gets, maybe he gets 10 to 12. But giving him double digits and steals already ups his value. And quite frankly, you're getting him in a spot that if he doesn't bounce back, he's already providing great value. Like, you're going to get what you're paying for. And realistically, I'm betting on a bounce back. I think he easily – I'll give you that third-round value, value that he was being drafted at last year. But now you can get that value without the actual price tag. Next guy on my list – Another guy that I seem to be getting a lot of that I really, really believe the uh, the value, the upside is there. It's Gene Segura. Segura has an ADP of 66.3, and he's a projected top two hitter in what could be probably arguably the best lineup in, in the uh, National League. 
Now, the team doesn't steal a ton. He should still get his 10 to 15 steals this year. As long as he can get – and he gets on base at such a high clip, I don't see why he wouldn't get enough opportunities throughout the season. And, again, he's another one that's kind of unfairly tagged with his injury tag of his. He's played at least 142 games in five of the last six years. His season high was actually a 20-home run year in Arizona prior to the humidor being installed. Well, now he's hitting at the best park since. I'm not saying he's going to hit 20, but I'm saying that it's one of those potential outcomes. I think 15-15 is more realistic, but we're talking most likely, what, 100 runs, 70-ish RBI, and a 300 batting average. And you're getting this guy at 66.3. I guess what what keeps his price down is the fact that his steals may not be as high as people are expecting. And if he's not giving you those steals, he doesn't offer a lot of pop in his bat for the most part. That has that has people concerned. But if he hits on that ceiling, say we'll say fifteen fifteen season, with all those counting stats I mentioned before, the hundred runs, the seventy RBIs, and three hundred average, you're getting a hell of a value here where you're getting them. But because his ceiling and his floor are kind of close together, the price makes sense. The reason why he is where he's at is because there's people being taken ahead of him with higher ceilings or bigger floors, whereas Segura, you're getting him at his floor cost. So the next guy, finally some pitching <laughs> we're going to be discussing here, is a guy that I have a ton of that I think is a great value. I could argue for him going way higher. I think he can easily outproduce this ADP. But it's uh, Jamison Tyone. His ADP is only 67.0. Now, the reason why his price is where it's at is because he's only done it for a half of a season. I view him as a very safe SP2 with SP1 upside if he can improve that K rate of his. Now, he had a huge breakout in the second half. And when stuff like that happens, I try to find tangible reasoning, like a legitimate change in approach or move it over on the rubber a little bit, something that I can help explain the breakout. Well, there's an explanation. He went from not throwing a slider at all to introducing it in the second half, essentially, and started throwing it a minimum of 20% of the time throughout the second half. Well, with that slider came all the changes. In the second half, his walk per nine decreased from 2.55 to 1.69. His home runs per nine decreased from 1.02 to 0.85. His FIP and XFIP both improved, and ERA decreased from 3.91 to 2.33. These were all second half changes following the addition of this pitch that he threw at a 20% of the time or more. I'm betting on him sustaining it. I think he's going to sustain it. He's going to keep it up and potentially break out, so to speak, or continue to break out into a full season of it. Again, the reason why his price is right, until he shows he can do it, the K rate is a little is a little lackluster. You want the Ks to improve. You want him to prove that he can sustain a second-half breakout through a full season now that there's more tape on him, now that there's more, you know, people are more aware of that pitch. But my argument would be that, He's had a full offseason to improve that pitch now. They know it's coming, but you would think he's only made it better. Not to mention getting better pitch mix with his arsenal. And Pirates are known to do well with their pitchers usually. So I think very safe spot to get him. At the very least, he's going to produce that SP2 numbers that you're paying for. And you'll be happy if everything just goes as this. If the second half continues where it was, if he just pitches that second half again through the season. He'll provide the value where you're getting them. Just, it'll be just fine and happy with what you're getting. 
next guy that fits this build is is Tommy Pham. Pham has an ADP of 72.8. He was, I believe, a fourth-round pick for me most of the year last year. And at the end of the season, if you actually rode him out and kept up with him, he, he kind of uh, returned value on that, or at least returned roughly fourth or fifth-round value by the season's end. But what people remember is that he hit that wall and then he got traded to the Rays. But when he got traded to the Rays, man, he got right. A lot of thing, a lot of issues with him is is injury concern, you know, soft tissue injuries, and then his eyes. He has a degenerative eye issue or something of the sorts like that. But that's built into his price at this point. You're talking about a guy who can get you 2020 at 72, 73 overall. I mean, there's nothing wrong there. If you take a look at his first half numbers. His first half, his walk percentage was 10.8%. He had a 25.5K percentage and a triple slash of 243, 326, and 396. In the second half, he went ahead and had a 13.4 walk percentage, 23% K percentage, and a triple slash of 331, 433, and 580. The improvement obviously happened. He, he's now, now he's on a team where there's no question of playing time. He's going to be hitting top of the lineup this year on a team that is better than most realize in a division that's very friendly for hitters. He could easily return to that 2020 player you we were drafting in 2018 in that fourth round, like I mentioned. And, again, the risks are the same as last year. The difference is, is the price. He's the right price, but we know the upside. I would, take, I would definitely get a hold of him. Now, this has to be one of my favorite values of the draft this year. And somehow I've managed to get none of him. Somebody always gets him before me. I, I just don't I don't understand it. But I really, really like this value. And it's totally appropriate. It's uh, Donaldson. Josh Donaldson has an ADP of 95th overall. We're fully aware he's coming off a lost year last year. That calf injury, he just couldn't get right. And a little more, what's even more concerning is that this year he's in the NL, so there's no DHing. So either if he gets hurt, He's known to try to play through it. All he does is make it worse. And he can't even hit if it's, minor, if it's a minor tweak because there's no DH slot. Not to mention he's on a team contending, so he's probably going to get his games – he's probably going to be managed anyway like that. He's probably going to have a game off here and there. And, but he seems to be healthy. It looks like the calf injury is – the calf injuries are behind him, and he's trying to move forward. Now, if there's anybody who has top two-round value or top two-round potential, I should say, going past the top two rounds, we got to assume it's Donaldson. The guy's been a perennial MVP candidate. He's shown it to us many times before. And, yes, I understand he's 33 with major injury risk, but that is exactly why he's going so late. Most of the risk is taken out of the equation where he's going. In 2017, he only played 113 games, but he still had 65 runs, 33 home runs, 78 RBIs, and two steals with a triple slash of 270, 385, and 559. Granted, that was 2017, but that was still shows you what he could do at, in 113 games. And prior to these last two seasons, he played four straight seasons of 155 games or better. He will forget that. Heck, I've, I forgot that. When I saw that, I was like, wow. <laughs> that, that blew my mind a little bit. So we're talking about two seasons of in, just dealing with injuries. One was last year was just law, a lost season. I can easily see 130 games. If he put up 33 home runs and 78 RBIs in just 113 games, I think he could at least match that in 130. 
you're getting a 30 home run guy with probably more RBI upside in this lineup for sure, even batting second, and you're getting him almost 100 overall. The price, again, the price is right. There's no arguing that. It makes sense. The price needs to be where it's at. If there's anybody who can return a huge amount of value, a huge amount of profit, I should say, on their draft slot this year, it's definitely Donaldson. Another guy in a similar situation with him, but doesn't have nearly the track record, is AJ Pollock. Pollock has an ADP of 104.8. Now, he's 31 years old, and as in his whole major league career, he's only had one year above 140 games played. Now, that's mostly because of a lot of fluke injuries. In the past, he's been drafted in the first two rounds, and he still has that top two round upside, as we've, like I said, as we've seen in the past. He offers that power-speed combo that everybody wants, but people want to just ignore it with him, apparently. He offers five-category potential. Like, he can produce across the board every category. He's better for daily leagues, obviously, because the Dodgers are going to be the Dodgers. They're going to give him those days off. They're going to manage him and make sure he stays healthy because they have World Series aspirations. Speaking of the Dodgers, he's going to lead off for them. I mean, you know he's going to produce a lot of runs. He's going to, he doesn't have to hit for so much power, so maybe he'll get on base a little more, hit for a better average than last year. Because it seems like last year he sold out a little bit for some pop. But he still offers easily 20-20 upside. And honestly, at the very least, every year with him, there's a sell-high opportunity. So if nothing else, jump on that opportunity. Because I guarantee you, he will light the world on fire for at least a month or three weeks. And man, that alone is justification for his draft slot. Because you'll be able to get a top 50 guy, a top 60 guy in return for him. So if there's no other reason to take him, is to get him for that hot streak, that hot portion, and just sell high if you don't believe in the health, if you don't think he's falling into it. I, for some unforeseen reason, I can't explain it. I just think he can hold up this year and plays at least 130 games. And if he does that, anybody who drafts him is going to be static. But because of the lack of history of being able to play any 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 more games than what, like 115, 120, it makes sense where he's going. But it's all about getting that floor, man, and you're paying for the floor, which is beautiful. You love paying for floor. Because you know, if they don't hit that ceiling, they're they, remember they're going to give you what you paid for at the very least. That's the idea behind these players. So that covers Pollock. Now we're getting a little deeper. Those were you know closer to the top 100 guys, the guys that can make or break your season. These are guys. Now we're going closer to the 140, 150 range and beyond for the next few. These are guys that are going a little deeper. Won't kill you if you miss on them. Are priced where they should be. But these guys offer probably the most, the most upside for where they're being taken. This next guy here is actually Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers has an ADP of 141.8. In 2018, he hit 21 home runs in only 121 games. He's, one of the, he's, <laughs> he's that guy. He's at least one of the guys in, in the best shape of his life stories for the offseason. Now, in his, he's only, I believe, 23 years old, or only 22 even. He does struggle for lefties, but they, you know, because they have guys there where they're willing to give time to and playing time to, like Nunez, who plays third base. That's baked into the price now. Last year, he was going in the top 10 rounds. I think, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, I think, what, round seven, round eight? Sounds about right. He was just one of those hot picks a lot of people had to have. 
he's kind of just cast away and almost like Olsen, similar to Olsen at first base. Olsen's like, they're just both these guys that lit the world on fire. Everybody had to have them, and now they're both becoming almost post-hype sleepers. But I digress. Let's 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 review some of the positives here now. Like I said, he he's made the effort to get in the better shape, and it should help him get through the season. Even if he platoons, it'll be the strong side of a platoon, and you know he'll still get his numbers. And you're talking about a guy that what hit twenty just hit twenty one home runs in only one hundred twenty one games last year. You give him one hundred forty games, he's hitting thirty home runs. So I would go ahead and scoop him up. I mean, again, one forty one point eight. You could do a lot worse than somebody who's going to get you close to or what I would expect to be 30 home runs, probably 90 RBIs in that lineup, hit about 250. That's solid. And the next, now the next two guys are both pitchers, and they're both going outside the top 200. But both of them belong there. These guys offer some of the better upside as far as profits go. The first one is Tyler Skaggs. Skaggs has an ADP of 226.63. He was having an absolute great year last year. And then injury struck, and he just couldn't regain what he started. We can review that first half a little bit. In the first half last year, he had an ERA of 2.57, a K per nine of 9.64, and a home run per nine of 0.73. He also had a 26.1% K percentage, a 7.0 walk percentage, a FIP of 3.03, and an XFIP of 3.40. He was having the beginning of what appeared to be a breakout season for him. It just was derailed by injury. Again, part of why the price is appropriate. He has an overall track record prior to the first half of last year of being this type of guy. He's healthy. I think he's going to take that step and continue from where he started off last year and bring it into a full season. He should be a solid SP3, SP4 for you. At this price, there's nothing but profit here because if he doesn't perform, he's going at a price to where you can cut him, and it's, it's fine. You just move on to the next hot waiver wire ad for pitching or a streamer. Now. Again, this next guy, and he's our final guy on the list. He fits this pretty much just to the T, except for he's had a breakout year, and it's Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson has an ADP of 251.27. He's in, like I said, he's in the same exact boat as Skaggs, except he's coming off a completely lost year to an injury, and that injury came from diving into a bag while trying to run the bases. Another reason why the NL needs a DH, because that's just ridiculous. We shouldn't be losing pitchers to swinging a bat or on base injuries or it doesn't matter. That's a whole nother argument. But anyways, prior to that injury, he had a f- breakout in 2017. I drafted him last year in a few leagues and he just, he was supposed to be back. I think by mid season, he just couldn't make it back. He was, uh, they kept pushing him back, pushing him back and they finally just shut him down for the year. So now he has a full season of not pitching. That could be worrisome. He might be on an innings limit. But at the same time, you're looking at a team that was so cautious with them, a team that was trying to win, a team that made the playoffs. And they still said, you know what? We're not going to risk it. We're not going to push them. We're going to just wait. That shows that to me, if he's throwing now, he's definitely 100% healthy. Now, a quick review of 2017, though. People don't realize or remember maybe how good he was. In 2017, he had 10.21K per nine, a 2.46 walk per nine, a 0.82 home run per nine with a 3.49 ERA and a FIP of 3.05 and an XFIP of 3.15. So those, the FIP and XFIP suggest that he could have actually or should have actually done a little bit better in the ERA, which at sub 3.5, I wouldn't really complain about his ERA anyway, but the fact that it could have been or should have been better, 
according to his FIP and XFIP, that's just that's just amazing. That's awesome. It's a great year. He also had a K percentage that year of 27.3% and a walk percentage of 6.6. These are just solid numbers. Those are both above average, league average. Those are just all-around solid numbers. This guy would have been a, probably an SP2 that year or returned close to SP2 value. And now you're getting him off of a lost year, off of an injury, pitching for one of the better teams in the NL or who are thought to be the better, one of the better teams in the NL. Quality starts leagues, I might avoid him because I don't see him pitching deep into games all that often. But I think he's going to get you a good amount of wins this year. I think he's going to bounce back and be closer to that 2017 guy that we had, that we saw. And there's just nothing but value to be had here. But, again, he fits this build. So, with that being said, that's everything, guys. Again, this was the Price is Right episode. I really, Like I said, I really appreciate you guys take, giving me a listen. Continue to follow me at Mike underscore Curly on Twitter. And the podcast has a Twitter page as well, at Bases Loaded Pod. As episodes are complete, we go ahead and post them on there. It's on iTunes, so you can give it a listen there. I appreciate if you subscribe and leave a review or comment of some sort. That really helps me out. Otherwise, um, in between pods now, I'm starting to write some, write some articles. I'm writing my – right now I'm doing my positional reviews. I just finished my first base preview, so if you want to go ahead, it's my top 25 – at the position. I'm going to be doing all my positional previews throughout the week. I'm going to try to get them in, in between podcasts as the season's uh, rolling up on us. So it'll help you with your draft prep further more than these pods are. So again, I appreciate you guys for listening. It really means a lot. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Gotta go.